This is the Energy Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. That's what's going to be, I think, truly transformational to a lot of businesses, and hydrogen fuel cells enable a lot of use cases with batteries. By covering the surfaces in floating solar PV panels, you can not only generate electricity on site, you can actually purify the water. Hello, this is James Kent for the Energy Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. As a quick reminder, if you want to check out more episodes of the Energy Podcast, hit the subscribe button and that will give you access to all past and future episodes. Also, you can head over to marketscale.com industries, where you can check out videos, blogs, and podcasts from a variety of relevant B2B industries. Okay, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about airborne FTG or full tensor gravity gradiometry. Airborne FTG is an invaluable tool for exploration and surveys, mappings, and based on several factors resulting from the ongoing pandemic, now might be an opportune time for companies to look into airborne FTG for their projects. Joining me to give his insights and expertise on this topic is Scott Hammond. Scott is the president and CEO of Bell Geospace, which has been involved in Air FTG since 2002. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, James. It's good to be aboard. We appreciate the opportunity. Oh, no problem. Now, obviously, Scott, the pandemic is an extraordinary time for everyone. It's very unique, and we've just been through a rough several months with businesses shut down. But now we're seeing a gradual reopening of many businesses. How has the pandemic affected Bell Geospace, and what, if any, benefits have you seen come out of it? It has been a challenge. I mean, that's just, everybody knows that it's been a challenge for everybody. Um, and, and it really started, hit us in, you know, early March. We have uh, operations going around the world. And we have one plane currently in Malaysia, one plane in India. And then uh, our third plane is actually in uh, Croatia, but it's kind of between jobs. So the two operations that were going uh, were shut down in March. But I'm, I'm pleased to say they're both flying again. Uh, one uh, as of, I think, May uh, the 14th, something like that. And then one just a couple of weeks ago in June got back in the air. So so we're back um, operating and, and getting data. And, and that's a good thing for us and for our clients. Obviously, a lot. I mean, a lot of the various things have happened during the pandemic. And one of the things is the price of oil has uh, gradually dropped or a drastic amounts. I mean, some of it has been, you know, it's sort of unheard of. There was like a perfect storm of various factors that went in. It wasn't just the pandemic, but how is that affecting you? I mean, you're now able to buy uh, fuel at a, at a cheaper price. Is that affecting uh, for your clients? Does that make it more affordable to do uh, surveys at this time? Well, that's true. I mean, obviously, we're we're able to save a little bit of money on on the fuel we're buying, but um, that's certainly not what we'd rather be doing, uh, given the fact that our clients are suffering. Uh, but I will tell you, one of the one of the things that I think we should make sure that people know is that our technology we really feel like is well positioned to help our clients out in times like this. And, and the reason for that is that um, the FTG surveys are you know just much more reasonably priced than uh, seismic, for instance. Obviously, they they bring a different uh, result to the table uh, or different uh, physics of measurement. So I'm not saying that they replace seismic, but 
in a lot of cases, we work together with seismic uh, where you've got maybe some seismic, but not all the seismic you want, or you've got 2D seismic and, and really wish you had 3D, and you could take uh, FTG and put it together with with that sparse or 2D seismic and come up with a really good answer that may not get all the way, but it really approaches the value of, of 3D. And we've had clients that have used it in the past and said that uh, they can get 90% of a 3D seismic answer using 2D and FTG, and they probably spend you know more like five to to ten percent of the of, of the cost for that. So so we 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 fashion ourselves as a, a low cost alternative, and now's a really good time to be using a low cost alternative. Well, do you think that uh, probably 3D seismic sounds like that's the most expensive option? And maybe that was the soup du jour, something that, you know, people are gravitating for the, the, the sort of the coolest and the latest and the greatest. And do you think that maybe over time people have forgotten a little bit about the capabilities of airborne FDG? And this is why this is a great time to remind them, especially when now you're looking at ways to continue your projects, but uh, find some affordable options. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's really one of the uh, messages we're trying to get out and remind people of is that it, it is, um, you know, available. It's available quickly. Not only is it is it cheaper, but it's also something that you can get in your hands much more quickly. And, and the one thing that I notice is, you know, we've had uh, downtime here and we've got a lot of people who have had, you know, months ripped off the calendar that they really needed because they had deadlines and commitments um, for their properties that they had to do some evaluation. And those deadlines and commitments didn't go away, even though they lost three months in the process. So not only can we provide this information at a, a better price, but we can do it pretty quickly. And that that's really helpful right now for a lot of people as well. Take me through FTG technology, where is that at today versus, say, several years ago? I imagine the level of sophistication is miles ahead from where it was. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and interestingly enough, the the technology itself, uh, a lot of people look at this and say, oh, this is new technology. And it's not. It's um, it's really technology that came out of the the U.S. Uh, Navy. Actually, was using it uh, in the defense side back in the '70s when it, when it was developed. We uh, started using it in the '90s. Uh, there was a dual use initiative that allowed them to start using it commercially, and, and our founder realized that he could use this to find um, subsurface uh, density contrasts that were important to the exploration business. And so off we went, but. The the thing is, even though it's it's fairly old technology in 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 those terms, there have been probably four or five or or more companies that have been trying all this time to get a competing mousetrap, if you will, and nobody's been successful. In fact, we had one company that just uh, a couple of years ago finally closed the doors, and they'd been spending they spent almost twenty years and over a hundred million dollars trying to develop oh, wow. a gravity gradiometer, and and never were successful. So it's it's somewhat old technology, but it's a really tough nut to crack, and it's really a, a an important uh, piece of information that you just can't. It's it's such a high resolution gravity, and what we're doing for for those that aren't familiar with technology is we're we're in an airplane and we're essentially measuring the uh, very very tiny changes in the acceleration due to gravity, and those are indistinguishable from the accelerations of an aircraft, and so. Those of you that, and all of us probably have uh, been on a flight, and you know the worst part of that flight is usually when you're coming into land and you're at maybe um, you know 80 meters off the ground, which is where we fly surveys, and, and you start shaking around a little bit uh, before you land. 
And we have to uh, try to find a way to get those shaken and accelerations of the aircraft uh, stripped out so we're only getting what we're what we want which is the acceleration due to gravity and that's the challenge and that's why it's it's um you know 1970s technology that uh is still to this day the best you can best you can get now having said that we've uh we've made over the 25 years that bell's been in business we've made great strides in uh processing and interpretation that have allowed us to get a lot more out of the data and uh without getting into a, a lot of um uh, science about that, I would just direct people to our website, uh, which is www.belgeo.com, where we have a lot of examples of that. But uh, that has allowed us to to really um, do a good job of getting uh, better answers for our clients, even though the technology, the base technology is the same. Uh, we've also, and I'll, I can get into more detail as we as we go here, but we've uh, up upgraded kind of how we acquire data on the aircraft that we're using and added more ancillary technology. We, we, we do get uh, standard gravity while we're getting to gradiometry, we get magnetics. Uh, and putting all that together gives a really nice um, consolidated answer that uh, is helping clients a lot more now than it was when we, when we started this 20 years ago, all, originally on boat and then uh, on small single engine aircraft. Uh, what we what we did in the 2002, uh, we went on to Grand Grand Caravans, which is a single engine aircraft, and we flew that for a few years. But then uh, we realized that this problem of trying to get rid of the uh, aircraft turbulence and accelerations of uh, of the aircraft was was much more difficult on that aircraft than some other options. And so we looked around for for a better host vehicle and we ended up with a DC-3, believe it or not. Now it's a, it's also a modified aircraft. It's a turbo modified DC-3. There's not a lot of those out there either. It's called a BT-67, which is Basler Turbo Conversions. And that aircraft is just an excellent craft for gravity gradiometry because it's essentially a big ship in the air that, that handles those accelerations and, and uh, can really get us a much longer survey day because we don't have the near the problem with the aircraft accelerations and it's also a, obviously a DC3 is a big aircraft if you if you look at our meter it's a, about the size of a, of a standard washing machine so it doesn't need that big of an aircraft just to hold it but it, it allows us to put uh, full redundancy on board it allows us to put these these other technologies on board and that gives us a lot of efficiencies well you said one key thing uh, your process and how you get the information is is one thing what does a client care about? It's the data that is derived from that process. And it sounds like that's really what sets you apart from some other methods, isn't it? Is the ability to obtain data that's relevant for your clients. That's right. And we talked a little bit about that when we were talking about <clears throat> FTG versus um, seismic. And I'm not uh, a geoscientist. Uh, I'm, I'm more on the operations side, but I can grossly oversimplify and tell you that Seismic is a, does a great job of finding things that kind of lay flat. So if you think of uh, uh, subsurface, there's got to be some contrast. Uh, in our case, density contrast. In the case of seismic, it's a, a velocity contrast, which can be the same thing. And as long as those are laid down flat, seismic sees them very well. And in fact, uh, if, if you have an infinitely flat surface that has a density contrast, uh, FTG wouldn't see it at all. Now, the other side of that spectrum is as you start getting steeply dipping beds, seismic has a really hard time 
uh, determining what's going on because those steep beds are are just tearing up their their signal and and they can't get good returns. And that's exactly what uh, FTG can see very well. So if you put them together, now you've got a real, a, a really good tool in your toolbox. And that's kind of what we talk about uh, a lot of times is, yeah, there are limitations to what FTG can do. There are also limitations to what Seismic can do, but you put them together and you really have a good, a good answer. And so in the case of FTG, it's, um, it's a technology that uh, clients are finding more and more that they can put together with either old old seismic or maybe uh, not as uh, much seismic as they'd like to have and they can get uh, a lot of answers to these zones that are getting more and more difficult and that's the other thing that our clients are seeing is the ability to find hydrocarbons or in the case of our mining clients uh, minerals is getting more and more difficult because they're just uh, having to look look deeper and and in more, much more difficult uh, geology to find them. And, and so finding some additional technologies is important to them. What would you say is maybe an industry or a business that you think FTG could really benefit, but that you don't see enough utilization from that industry, that uh, maybe this is something that uh, that industry hears this podcast and you could really recommend the benefits of FTG too? We've actually done some things in unconventionals in the last few years that have been um, uh, pretty impressive, um, and that is helping them with the with the shallow section. I talked about clients having to look deeper, but by the same token, we've got a lot of uh, clients that are looking in or that are just having trouble with shallower sections, whether it be um, trouble with the uh, seismic interpretation due to shallow section interference or uh, in some cases, we've got clients, uh, especially in the in these um, Permians are a good example, and other places where there's unconventionals, where they have problems with shallow hazards that are causing them drilling drilling problems. And uh, FTG can do a really good job of helping them in those areas as well. So that's an area that we've made a lot of great strides in the last several years. And even though the price uh, right now has got activity curtailed a little bit in the unconventionals, uh, we don't think that'll be um, a long-term issue. We think they'll be back, and that's an area where I think clients can see great value. I've been hearing about, uh, you know, in mining and mapping and surveying work, I'm hearing that more and more companies are utilizing drones for some of this work. And, th and there may be instances where that makes sense. But it, when is it more beneficial to utilize airborne FTG compared to a drone? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking there's a size aspect, but uh, I'm just curious where you think the drones are falling short and someone trying to do what they want to do can't be done unless they're doing it with airborne FTG. Yeah, as of right now, um, like I mentioned uh, a little earlier, the FTG is the only instrument that, uh, of its type in the world. Um, Lockheed Martin actually manufactures the instrument. There's a couple of other companies out there that are using the Lockheed instrument besides us, but it is really the only gradiometer, and it, it's too big for a standard drone. Um, there are big drones, but they're just so... Um, difficult. To, I mean, we have enough of, uh, of a challenge getting permits. Um, drone permitting is, is tough in the, in the cost and everything else. So I don't see it going on to a drone anytime soon. Uh, most of the drones that we see in geo, on the geophysical side are getting, uh, whether it's MAG or, or maybe some other standard 
measurements that are much more of a of a regional low low resolution type of a measurement. So they do have their place, and there's there's possibility of them getting that uh, information uh, that some clients may need. But if you want to start getting the resolution that you can get from FTG, I don't think that's going to be available anytime real soon, to be honest. Very interesting. Where do you see the evolution of FTG going in the coming years? That's a good question. And uh, Put, get real, the, got the crystal ball in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, the evolution of, of FTG. Well, I guess if if I think about kind of the areas that we're going, uh, one of one of those is with the uh, Basler that I talked about. Um, you know, we're able to get uh, it's it's a twin engine aircraft. It's it's got uh, a really good long range, can hold a lot of fuel, so we can get further and further away from base. And so we're seeing more and more clients that are using this for um, some you know offshore and and obviously areas that are really tough terrain. And so as as we see clients having to look at tougher places for their new exploration finds, FTG is uh, a tool that can can get them in those places. I mean, we've had a couple of competitors uh, in the last six months to a year that have come to us and said, hey, can you help us get to get this survey done? It's just too far away. We don't have a vehicle that can get there. And um, so I think that's really more of a, uh, not necessarily the FTG itself, but the ability to to put the FTG on an airplane and get to these places that are hard to get to. Uh, and that's really uh, one of the areas where the clients just have to go to those places. So we have to get there. You're like the Indiana Jones of the future. There you go. <laughs> uh, listen, as we wrap up, Scott, is, is there anything else we haven't covered you think we should talk about? Well, one of the things that uh, probably in, in the current you know COVID culture is, um, it's not just COVID, but, but it just in general environmental and other things is kind of the, the, the footprint. One nice thing about FTG is that I talked about our aircraft being um, you know a, a nice big aircraft that works well. But we only have a crew of five people when we do a survey. And if you are familiar at all with what a seismic crew takes, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, there, there can be hundreds of people on a, on a big seismic survey. So, you know, as we're going through issues right now of, of uh, getting crews moved around, I got some stories and I, I won't spend a lot of time, but just uh, we had a guy actually flying to Malaysia recently. And while he was in the air, they changed their rules for COVID test and he showed up and they said, yeah, you don't have a test that was required as of today. So we're going to turn you around. Well, he convinced them to let him stay, but he ended up spending, I think, four days in one room in at the uh, Kuala Lumpur airport waiting for them to uh, approve him to stay in country. So it's just a, an example of the kind of problems that we're running into right now. I mean, it's always been a challenge moving crews around, but but now so more than ever. So having a small crew that we can be kind of nimble and and uh, and do the things that need to get done with uh, without moving you know hundreds of people around is, is is pretty important. So that and then the fact that the uh, the footprint. I mean, we don't we don't emit anything. We're measuring a a naturally occurring uh, signal of gravity. So we're not we're not sending out anything that's going to harm the environment. You know, obviously we burn some fuel and we make a little bit of noise, but even that's not bad. So if you're looking for a technology that can be somewhat friendly to the environment and and still help get uh, get your answers. Uh, that's another area where FTG really shines. Are seismic surveys are they uh, intrusive to the environment? 
this beyond the impact of the crews involved yeah well beyond the impact of the crews is is the fact that they've got to send out this big uh this big sound wave that right. uh you know in a, in a lot of cases there are animals and and you know different wildlife or in the case of marine marine life in the area that that can be uh, very sensitive to that that issue, so they have they have those kinds of issues. Yeah, seismic sound waves uh, for marine life is, is an issue. So yeah, absolutely, uh, that's that's a good to, to know. Yep. Another thing that that I wanted to mention uh, that is helping um, a lot of our clients is that uh, I talked a little bit before about the issue where even though we're losing a lot of time here, like months of of isolation or you can't travel or for whatever reason, uh, they still have things that they have to get done. They've got commitments. And where that comes in is a lot of, uh, a lot of countries, uh, when you went, when you granted a, a license, not only do you have to pay for that license, but you got to make a commitment that you're going to do a certain amount of work on that area. And so what we have seen is that FTG has, has been a technology that's been provided or that's been available for you to fill those commitments at a much better price point than than other technologies. So if you have to get data and you want the data number one to uh, help you reach that commitment that you've that you've committed to with the government, and then also get you data that you can really use and can get you the answer. Uh, FTG is one where that a lot of clients are seeing some value there. So different countries have different um, formulas for how they get there, but in almost all cases, you get a lot more bang for your buck. If you use FTG to meet those commitments versus uh, other other possibilities. Plus, I mean, you're just speaking for the the pandemic, which is, is not going to be gone tomorrow. It's going to be on, yeah. it's going to be with us for a while. That small crew aspect, I think, is very important because it's just not going to be feasible to bring in a large crew in many cases to do a seismic survey. But yet, the work needs to continue, and you need to get that information. So, even if say you know your preference was a seismic survey. Survey and that's what you're, you wanted to do, but you needed to get information now. I think that FDG is a great way to go during this time. That's right, and it, and it gives you the ability to do a, a large, uh, you know, regional survey if that's what you want to do. We can do that at course line spacing. We actually can deliver data real time as we go. Uh, quite often, we're delivering on a daily basis data, and and it's it's kind of interesting for the clients because. They get this really coarse uh, map, uh, and then every day that we acquire data, it starts to clarify. So it's like uh, you're tuning it in as you go. And then um, once they start seeing this regional data, they may, they may decide, hey, there's there's something really interesting over here we should look closer at. And that's fine. We can go over there and start filling in with uh, more lines than they might have originally planned and then get them a much better answer in that area. So that gives them a lot of flexibility for how to spend their budget. They can use it to get a large area covered quickly. And then they can also use it to fill in the data where where they need to, and and maybe uh, if they want to walk away from an area because the regional tells them there's nothing there, they can have a comfort level that they did so for the right reason, uh, but then save that budget and, and uh, put it to where they to use where they really need it the most. This stuff sounds so super cool. It is cool, but let me just tell you as we're about to wrap up here, what the uh, one of the coolest examples we had was, and that was a number of years ago. We were 
We were actually on a Zeppelin airship looking for diamonds for De Beers in, oh my uh, in Africa. Now, I'm telling you, if you take a, a FTG technology that came from a uh, and I didn't get into it, but but actually we were we were uh, the FTG technology was in the uh, Hunt for Red October novel. It was one of the technologies in the submarine. So if you take that kind of technology, you put it on an airship, and you look for diamonds in Africa for the beers. That's about as sexy as a story as you're going to get. So that was pretty fun. Well, unless you're uh, looking for megalodon in the Mariana <laughs> Trench, uh, Scott. Where should people go if they want to learn more about Bell Geospaces Services? Yeah, I mentioned uh, the website and and. I'm Obviously, that's the place to go because because uh, then you can get a lot of information there. Uh, it's it's re- recently been updated. Uh, marketing people did a great job with that, and uh, and you can also get contact information there. So just go to www.belgeo.com, and from there you can uh, get a lot more detail on some of the stuff that we we touched on today. Excellent, Scott. It's been a pleasure getting the opportunity to pick your brain today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again sometime. Once again, I want to thank my guests today, Scott Hammond, President and CEO of Bell Geospace. And thanks again for tuning in to the Energy Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a variety of other podcast listening sites. Leave a rating and a comment and let us know what other topics you'd like to learn more about. I'm James Kent. Let's talk again soon.